Welcome to the SAP HCM Insights Podcast. I'm Steve Bogner, Managing Partner at Insight Consulting Partners, here for another round of uh, podcasting with the incredible podcast team. We have Sven Ringling, Sharon Newton, Martin Gillette, Amy Grubb, Brandon Toombs, and Luke Marson. Hey guys, how's it going? Hello. Good. Bonsoir. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year indeed. This is January, first podcast of 2017. So Happy New New Year's to all the listeners. Um, Hope it's a fruitful new year. Hope it's one that keeps you busy but not too busy and um, excited but not too excited. Um, (laughs) Yeah, may you live an interesting life, right? It's an old curse. Um, So anyway, I'm excited to get 2017 started here. Just want to remind listeners real quick uh, how you can get the podcast, and probably the quickest way is to go to the podcast website. It's insightcp.com/insights, and from there you can listen to all the different podcasts. You can subscribe through RSS or iTunes or SoundCloud and whatnot. It also links you over to our LinkedIn page where um, you can carry on a discussion, or you can leave us comments there at the website too. So. Uh, Check that out for different ways you can get to the podcast and participate in uh, conversation and and give us some feedback, which reminds me that, um, guys, I haven't told you about this. This is a surprise, but I think it's one that we're all going to like. I've got a new listener contest that we can roll out. So Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, listener contest 1.0 for 2017. <laughs> <laughs> this is the alpha version. Um, so it's a new listener contest. Uh, contest. You know, we'd love to get feedback and ideas on discussion topics from listeners. In fact, today's podcast is a result of that from a longtime listener. So um, we love that because it's, um, you know, if it's just a bunch of consultants talking about stuff, then that gets a little boring. So to promote even more ideas and feedback, we're going to award a special prize to the randomly selected winner whose idea I like the most. And um, it's a really special prize, very special. The winner is going to get five days of free consulting from Jarrett Pazahanik. Isn't that very, very generous, guys? <laughs> That's a great prize. It's a great I prize. Like yeah. yeah. Does that include the tip? Does, does he know that he's uh, giving this or? Oh no, he, he's this prize. He's, he's a generous guy. He does this all the time. So uh, <laughs> mostly because you know sometimes you just can't charge for what he did. But um, if you know, if it was any one of you guys, I'd probably just give away two or three days. But for Jarrett, we're going to do five. Um, isn't it's an amazing prize? So just uh, email your ideas and feedback to I love SAP Jarrett at insightcp.com. Again, just email him I love SAP Jarrett at insightcp.com. And like I said, I'll uh, review the 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 entries and um, review them with the team and. We'll randomly select the one I like best, and that's what we'll go with. So what do you guys think about that as a nice uh, little contest? I think it's a great way to kick off 2017. I do, too. I do, too. And thanks to Jarrett for unknowingly being such a gracious guy. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, we, we do appreciate your feedback. Um, give, it, uh, give, us, give us your feedback at the uh, insightcp.com slash insights page or at the LinkedIn page, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe we can uh, get you uh, a phone call with Jarrett. Maybe, maybe that. We'll see. So anyway. Maybe Jarrett, maybe Jarrett can record their ringtone or something. Oh, yeah. 
Like, like, wait, wait, don't tell me. He can put his voice yeah. on your pot, on your uh, sure. voicemail. Sure. Yeah. I, and I'm going to be sure to never miss another podcast <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yep, that's good. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so what we're going to talk about today is uh, within the realm of, of success factors rollouts. And, you know, this is... Uh, this framework for success factors HCM is new to a lot of a lot of our customers. I think we would agree. And you know, after living with an on-premise solution, usually SAP HCM for a long time, um, you know, companies develop support organizations and support models tailored to that. And as they start rolling out success factors, I think that support model changes. And um, you know, I, I know that I've heard from a lot of customers, you know, some confusion or just, you know, what should they do? How, how should they reorganize? What should they plan for? How should they handle this new support model? So that's one of the things we want to talk about today. And, um, you know, if time allows it, we can get into some more things. But I wanted to, the, to kick this off, um, just sort of talking with uh, the group here about what you think about how, what's a good way for companies to organize their team structure? And both in IT and HR, and I know some of my customers, payroll is in finance, so it would include finance. So all of the IT and business units, how, do, how should they organize to support and adapt to this uh, new model of, of doing HR technology? So what I've seen with my customers um, as they you know, really embrace the cloud and specifically success factors um, is I think just in my experience, HR has really wanted to take a lot of the ownership of the system administration and, and you know, support. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had instances where <clears throat> IT has been very supportive of that and they've also been a little reluctant. But what I've seen work well is kind of a, um, a joint effort where IT has someone who is like the overall system administrator who has, you know, rights to everything, who kind of manages the upgrade center. Um, definitely, I think IT owning uh, role-based permissions is a good idea and it works well. Um, if, if you start having too many people in the line of business doing that, you can have unintended consequences um, very quickly. So I've seen a good breakdown of, of responsibilities with, you know, overall system admin, upgrades, um, quarterly releases, <clears throat> role-based permissions for sure, mm-hmm. with HR handling things like, for example, um, you know, maintaining their performance management templates year over year, mm-hmm. um, or having, you know, recruiting administrators managing things like offer letter templates and email templates and other um, things that are more specific to that functionality. Mm. That makes sense to me. So it's the, um, maybe if I can put it in, in, in other words, um, the HR customers are managing the process, the HR process side of things, and IT is managing things that are more of a, of a technical process. Is that a way to break that down? Yes, I think that's a great way to, great way to say it. Great. I got to copyright that soon then. okay so um you know amy hearing you say that though i've i've had customers in the past though who you know their hr departments really are resistant to doing anything that sort of feels like system work so um 
you know, have, have you come across that? And, and what are some, some uh, ways to sort of work through that? Or is it just different models for different companies? I think in, in my experience, I, I have, I have encountered some resistance as well, but it hasn't been, in my experience, it hasn't been that the HR users um, are resistant because it feels like system work. It's just that they're so overloaded. Mm-hmm. You know, usually HR departments, you know, and the ones that I work with are very lean. And it's just, it, they, it seems like it feels like just one more thing that they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's all in the way that as a partner, you position it. And, you know, we work with our clients almost from the beginning of the implementation, their administrators to to work with us mm-hmm. so that they can see, you know, how things are done and that it's really not that onerous. It doesn't have to be if you keep up with it. Um, and, you know, we've had some success with that. But again, it's all the individuals. Um, and I think you, you definitely need to to brush off some of your change management skills mm-hmm. when you run into that resistance and just, you know, help them see that, Yes, it is one more thing they need to add to their list, but it, it doesn't have to be um, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so setting, setting expectations is pretty critical. Yep. Yeah, I think Amy's point about change management is a key word. I mean, when we look at engagements, a lot more these days than in the past, our customer success factors, purchases, implementations are driven by the business as opposed to IT. But the business also needs the support of IT and they need to recognize that because of some of the skills that they don't have in-house um, in terms of managing the implementation, ongoing maintenance, upgrades, et cetera. A lot of the reasons customers are so excited about success factors is because they're no longer waiting in line behind every other module to get the latest and greatest. But we see a lot of customers who just don't have the the skills from a business perspective to keep an eye on what's happening within the success factor suite and to make a plan to adopt those things. And that's where IT can really, really benefit the implementation. Um, I think in Amy's scenario, that's that's an ideal world when you have HR and IT teaming together. Um, things become more difficult when there's adversarial <laughs> relationship between the two organizations or where perhaps they haven't worked hand in hand in the past. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's I, the, the key point you mentioned yeah. that uh, IT does have a different set of skills than HR and, and therefore they, they definitely have a role to play. Um, and based on the skills argument, there's also the, the school of thought that says it doesn't really matter uh, whether a job is in HR or in IT. It, it solely depends on the individuals and what skills they have. So if you have the right skills in HR, you could basically manage everything HR because you don't have the infrastructure stuff anymore. But I, I believe actually that the departmental dividing line is still important. I would still see IT to take more of a, of a governance role. Because in, in HR, if you have a bit of an adventurous or innovative HR department, uh, they could get excited about new things and, and maybe get ahead of themselves in using new features and building new things and trying them and forgetting about governance, about uh, how can we possibly maintain this? Do we even document it? 
Uh, so that's, I think, where IT can come in and, and yeah, like be a bit boring <laughs> and enforce governance. And on the other extreme, uh, there, there may be those HR departments who, who just don't have the capacity or are really not that interested in changing things. And then we get to a situation, I've just seen this the other day with a, with a customer who have been surprised when they have been told last week um, that in performance management, they possibly would have to get away from their V11 forms quite soon. And, and nobody's ever told them. Um, and they are still not even on robust permissions. So that there's an IT department that completely neglect their role of actually proactively um, look at the the development and, and telling HR, uh, pushing them a little bit if, if they have to move faster. I think so that that's where I always see the, the role of IT and where it makes sense to have this in a different line of command uh, so that they can yeah, balance each other out a little bit. As you said that, Sven, I thought of immediately three customers that we've talked to in the last three years who are very behind on different things, different aspects of of the solutions that they're using from a success factors perspective. I'm not going to go into more detail because I don't want to call anyone out specifically, but it, it seems sometimes that IT got into that trap of not paying attention to HR and they've continued to do so. Um, so I, I think, I mean, I think from an IT perspective, to be aware that understanding cloud solutions and success factors maintenance and support is a competitive advantage, at least from an individual IT perspective, as well as from an overall company perspective, is perhaps a good thing to think about. But I think it's not just IT's responsibility. And, and this is, um, I think this is really important to emphasize to your HR users as you're working with them is they don't have, you know, they shouldn't rely on IT anymore. They have the information available to them. Um, there, there's really no excuse that a customer is still on V11 with no role-based permissions. I, I can think of, you know, a hundred things that they're also not taking advantage of because they're not on role-based permissions. So HR owners have to take responsibility and ownership of keeping up to date with what's coming out as well. Um, so that, again, they can partner with IT to figure out how it makes sense. I, I agree what you're saying with what you're saying, Amy. Um, I think sometimes there may be extreme situations where HR is not really even aware of what their options are. And I say that because we've been doing some, some workshops with companies where they're rolling out S4 and success factors is sort of part of that implementation and we're not even talking to HR initially. Right. And that's that's something that we have to really say they have to be brought to the table. We can't make these kinds of decisions without having them in the room. So those traditional IT-led companies, HR is still at somewhat of a disadvantage. I think that, that may be a, a transitional issue because from the past HR was used to be driven by IT or at least not be able to driving anything themselves mm -hmm. so they become a little bit complacent in that respect and then HR moves to success factors away into the cloud uh, IT has a lot of infrastructural changes on their hands with, with all the other still on-prem systems so they are they're kind of happy that HR is out of the way and they can focus on the big wave of workload coming at them and then nobody has taken HR by the hand to actually prepare them 
for their new role in, in IT is off to to other jobs. I think that that's something um, that can easily happen and, and might have been the case with your S4 example. Yeah, and it's a great opportunity to Amy's earlier point as well, you know, for a system integrator to make sure that HR is engaged and understands what their options and opportunities are now, but they need to be brought to the table. Yeah, and one thing that's so different when you start bringing everything into the cloud is that the balance of power really does shift quite a bit where you're kind of used to in the past having the IT group be the ones that that really uh, have to be the ones that are the gatekeepers because they're the ones that have to do a lot of actual work, actual technical work, the, the, the technical that you and I all think of, which is, you know, coding things to make the business process changes that need to happen. And that really doesn't uh, necessarily uh, become the case anymore in an IT or excuse me, in a cloud environment where frankly, you can't make a lot of those technical uh, changes that you once made. And so the balance of power really does have to shift. And uh, in a lot of cases, you're, uh, I think we're all kind of dancing around the fact that sometimes the HR department, they like that. They like the uh, being behind, well, oh, well, it's just whatever the IT department wants. And, and we've all seen that in the past. And, and I'm certainly, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush and, I, and certainly there's many cu uh, customers that are not like that. Um, but it does uh, it does re rely uh, quite a bit on a wake up call for those uh, for those HR departments to start uh, really uh, uh, driving what needs to happen instead of just waiting for I uh, for IT to give them things. Um, so you know, and a lot of the of the next generation HR people, of course, are not uh, are very willing to take on some of those responsibilities. So I think that's what we're as we start working with more and more millennials. Uh, I think we're we're seeing more and more of that. At least I am with with some of my customers. Yeah, I think we can all think of examples of different extreme situations. You know, and I think I think the ideal for a customer is just finding that right balance between IT and um, and the business. And it's gonna vary for each customer to some extent. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, whatever path the customer goes, it needs to happen early, right? So Luke, what's what's been your experience with this? I, I would just add that all of the comments so far have been excellent and really valuable to the customers. I've seen very similar things throughout um, uh, throughout my various different customers and implementations. I think if I were to give some advice in addition to what the team have already said, is that change management, um, which includes the role of IT, should really start early. And, and we're talking about even pre-software selection here. This is something I think that customers need to, to to get around and start planning for early because that role is going to become quite important to um, to how the um, whole vendor selection process is going to take place and then you know the actual planning of the implementation the the governance structure the roles and responsibilities who's doing what all the way through to activities during the project and then you know how support's going to be managed um, after go live, and who's going to do what in terms of 
in terms of managing quarterly releases and, and uh, you know, letting that information flow to the business and making changes and the process for requesting changes and so forth. So that would be my recommendation to customers, just get started really early. Yeah, and part of, part of that getting started early is um, maybe a readiness check, right? Is, is taking more control over their HR technology something that HR wants to do and is uh, prepared to do, or is it something that they, they don't want to do? Um, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of projects in my career where um, SIs come in with a certain model and the customer says, yeah, we like that model, but there's not enough uh, work on readiness and, and the, cap- the capacity to change. And so, um, you know, after the SI is gone, the customer reverts back to old practices and it's because they weren't really ready for it. So I think that, you know, in my experience, that's a big part of, of all of this too. And, and Luke, like you said, addressing that early um, makes a big difference because, um, you know, if, if HR is going to take on more responsibility, then they have to staff for it and have those positions. And, um, and if HR is, excuse me, if IT is going to do some different things or do less, then they need to take that into account too. And the earlier you can face those things, the better off you're going to be. You know, one thing though that we haven't really talked about much here was what's the role of outsourcing some of this to uh, consultants or uh, SIs or maintenance partners? You, you know, there's a number of different firms out there who do, um, you know, application support. So what's the role of that? And it, does that really... Um, change any of these factors we're talking about or um is it is it something that's really uh, substantially different that um we need to to bring up here i think definitely there's a role for external partners to help with setting up some of this um uh, the governance and the roles of it and whatnot early on and there are partners that have specific offerings to help plan those sort of things as well as plan uh, implementations and those uh, and all the activities around that, as well as also um, support uh, once live as well. So I think if, if if the customer isn't quite sure on how they might want to approach this, or what some of the best practices are, or you know they just they just don't think it's something they can do on their own, I definitely would recommend looking out um, at a few partners, maybe some of the bigger ones, and maybe also some of the niche ones. And find someone that um, you know uh, you can relate to and, and who can understand your culture to to help you define that. Yeah, I I agree with Luke, obviously, um, and I think that that is something. I think it's definitely um, another option that companies have to consider. Um, I recently had a conversation with a, a very large global customer that is in flight of implementation right now. And they are already looking at, okay, how are we going to support this going forward? And I thought it was very interesting um, perspective that um, the person I was speaking with had, you know, he said, listen, I've got some really talented people on my team. He's in HR on the HR side, got some really great and talented people on my team. um, But I don't know that they want to become system administrators. Like, you know, for a career path, uh, I think they want to do more like internal process consulting, right? They don't necessarily want to maintain the system. So um, he's actually looking at, you know, all of his options, including 
um, a third party uh, partner who has a, you know, a post go live support offering, uh, ongoing maintenance mm-hmm. offering to help supplement his team. And I, I think that's a great way to think about it because he's right, especially in lean HR teams, mm-hmm. while they, they certainly have the capability to do it, um, that may not be from a career perspective what they want to do. So I think looking at and, and planning for it early on, like, you know, they're not going live for several months, but he's, they're already thinking about it, which I think is the great, a great approach. Already preparing for, okay, day one after mm-hmm. go live. So all, all of these are, are good points up to this point, but a, a question I have, and Amy, maybe you can answer this, is, you know, we, we talk about with cloud HR software, the amount of this maintenance is lower because, you know, you're on a subscription basis, your ability to customize is lower. So you have less effort to maintain those customizations. Um, the vendor is providing updates to you and, and all this new in- innovation. So, I mean, what, what's, what sort of work makes sense to outsource at that point then? And I'm just curious, Amy, because I'm, you know, I, to me, I would say, well, maybe there's something there, but is it enough to make it worthwhile to outsource to someone else? Sure, that's a great question. And let me clarify um, the comments that I made previously. Is when I was speaking about, um, you know, looking at a third party to help support your system ongoing, I wasn't necessarily thinking about completely outsourcing something or sending it offshore. I was speaking mm-hmm. specifically in uh, working with a certified partner who you have a relationship with who understands your business processes, who understands mm-hmm. what you have configured and can invite, not only can do the actual, you know, upgrades or enhance, you know, apply those enhancements, what have you, but understand how they would impact your current configuration. I think that's really critical, in a, especially in a success factor situation. Um, because that's, I think mm-hmm. that's the piece that sometimes overwhelms customers is they get, you know, hit with all of these possibilities of, of enhancements. They're not really sure, well, should we do this? Should we, you know, should we not do this? What makes sense? So they need somebody who understands how that works, who understands their processes. Um, and it doesn't have to be the partner that implements for you. It can be someone that, you know, a partner that over time has worked with you and understands your configuration and comes to know your business processes, but it needs to be that ongoing relationship because it's it's not as simple as filling out a configuration workbook and you know shipping it out off somewhere so somebody can flip switches. It's it's much much more than that. And the the gentleman that I was speaking about previously, you know, um, that that's kind of what we talked about is like like listen. Um, you know, it's consultants' jobs. It's it's my job as a, a certified success factors consultant to keep up to date on these enhancements and understand how they work. Does it really make sense for a customer to kind of take some of that on um, when they're already so lean? So, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that again, it's mm-hmm. it's still continuing that consulting model focused on business process, right? So not mm-hmm. just saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to turn this on. I'm not going to turn that on. It's really understanding the impacts of that and having somebody that you trust to help advise you on that. Yeah, Brandon, anything you want to add to that? Or yeah, uh, I, I'll, I 
I would say that Amy probably presented it pretty, uh, pretty well as far as a summation of uh, what you would be looking for from a partner, which is really someone that's going to help you with the forward thinking side of the equation, uh, looking out to see what the solution is providing now that maybe it wasn't a few months ago and, and how that fits with what they know of your system. So they're tying, uh, uh, they're tying the solution to into your system. And uh, the, the contrast there with what exists in the on-premise world is there was so much more work where you were going to be needing a lot more programming expertise and, and programming expertise really lends itself well to more technical hey we're going to fill in a specification we're going to ship that to wherever and have somebody very uh, a very competent engineer but maybe not necessarily uh, having to be in your own time zone they're going to go out and spin that up and get that back to you maybe the next morning that model is not necessarily quite as uh, proficient in in a cloud world because there is not near as much uh, of the technical uh, programming side and more just a matter of adjusting things here or there that can, and those things can be done a lot more efficiently uh, sometimes uh, and iterated a lot more quickly if that person is sitting right next to you or is on the phone with you right then and there. Yeah, that's a... Yeah, and I think... No, go ahead. Oops, sorry. I was going to say, and I think to bring it back full circle, one other role that that resource or those resources can play is really acting as the liaison between the business and IT. Because there is an additional landscape out there that's probably migrating to the cloud as well. And you can act as the communication channel as a system integrator who's acting as an ongoing support provider for um, for the business. Yeah, you know, just um, thinking about what we've talked about during the podcast so far, um, and I think it was Luke who said it and probably some others too, is that these things really need to be surfaced early in the project preparation, right? In, in getting the project started and setting expectations, asking these questions so that by the time you are live, you're ready to support it in a, in a fashion that makes sense for you. Um, I really don't think that there's any one ideal model. I mean, you have to tailor it to um, the work that you're doing and to the culture you have and to the goals goals and aspira aspirations of the organization to make it work, right? And the only way you're going to know what that is is by addressing it up front and asking these questions. And I think like uh, I think Amy, you said it well, it's 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 our job as uh, consultants to ask those questions and to make sure that gets done. So. Well, everyone, thanks for your participation and for all your your uh, conversation and ideas and feedback. Um, I appreciate it. And we'll uh, move on to another topic pretty soon in another Insight CP podcast. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs>